The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome back to Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. I'm sitting here with just really an amazing group of guys. In the Studio A is with me Darren Slack, Tony Nardello, a a friend from way back, and Pat McGuffin, a guy I've known for years and years as well. These three men have joined together on several missions trips. It's all part of something. I believe, Tony, you were part of founding, right? The uh, Heart of Titus, right? Yes, and Pat as well. Both of you were, okay. I was thinking that it began with you and then included him and then brought this third guy, Darren, along the line. But it's actually the heart of Tony and Pat and Titus that's gone into this, right? That's what we call it, the Tony and Pat show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The Heart of Titus is an organization that reaches out uh, really overseas in, in a couple of different spots we're going to be hearing about that. But you guys, but long before you did this kind of missions work, you were all involved in different areas here in the uh, Central Florida area. I know, Tony, you were an attorney. That's correct. Yeah, uh, Pat, you were a, a person, I guess you could say a newspaper guy, and then, yep. uh, then a print guy. That's what you were doing when I met you. Yes, that's right. And you and your wife, Sheila's an amazing uh, graphic artist, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys were... Involved. I know your dad was part of the Apopka newspaper, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So people who are listening to this from the Apopka area would know the name MacGuffin. Yes, they would. Yeah, it's pretty well known. And Darren, you're a quarterback and a teacher of quarterbacks that uh, God has somehow morphed you into much more than just that. So those are the backgrounds. That's what all of you were doing when I met you. Tony shared office space with our church back in the late 80s, early 90s, we had some fun times in the hallways catching up around the water cooler, etc. cetera, with, uh, with Tony because he was a believer and it was so exciting to talk to other people in the building uh, that we shared back then when we didn't have a church office, a church building of our own and we rented out that office space. That's how we met you. So, but uh, guys, it's just really great. Welcome to The Shepherd. It's so nice to have you. I know you guys have done TV. Uh, here in the area. For, oh, that's right. Yeah, you sure have. Yeah, it, uh, what, on 45, I believe, right? We were on 45 and 55, and um, now we're pretty much doing everything on, um, you know, live stream on internet and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Yeah, podcasts and all that stuff. Yes. That's right. And I know that uh, I really want to just go ahead and jump in to the whys, you know, some, a lot of people wonder this question when, when they hear a, a guy that was an attorney or a guy that was a, a newspaper slash graphic guy, or a guy that had a business as a quarterback Academy training quarterbacks, uh, they wonder what is it and why do they jump from doing what they were doing before to go into something as some people would say as difficult as overseas ministry. Why would you do that? What was the heart behind that? We should let Tony answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I'd be happy to, you know, it's not like we did one in lieu of the other. Um, We found a way while we were, you know, raising our kids and providing for our families and serving our, you know, customers and clients, we found a way to go do what God had called us to do overseas and, preaching the gospel and uh, trying to build up the church. And that was called a heart of Titus and what from the beginning? No, it wasn't. Um, actually I was going to a church where one of the assistant pastors was kind of my mentor and uh, he invited me to go with him on a mission trip in way back in 1996. And I wow. went with him to the yeah. jungles of Peru along with uh, seven other people. And uh, now that's back when we would have been sharing office space, man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, well, it's a little bit, just a little bit after, but mm-hmm. which you're right. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was way back when I had dark hair. Uh, <laughs> I remember yeah. that you dark remember hair. That, Mike? Yeah, that's back when I had hair. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I can add to that as well. But I'm telling you, man, that mission trip just rocked my world and changed my life. 
Well, let's oh. talk about that for a minute. What is it about going out on a missions trip that rocks one's world? Because that's what I hear all the time. Any, and that's what happened to me. Every time I've ever gone on one, I come back, can't believe I, I ever never had done it before. I've never gone there before. Well, I could take a lawyer spin on that, and I could say that it's all about the evidence. Okay. You know, I mean, so many of us go to church for so many years, and we read the book, and we have this inner witness within us that God is real. But going overseas and seeing, you know, hundreds of people healed, a mass move of the Holy Spirit where people are crying and repenting before the Lord and literally demons being driven out of people. You know, you see enough of that and we see any of that and it's, you know, you just can't get your mind off of it. Yeah, it changes you. It really does affect you deeply. And, and then that begs the question, why isn't that happening more in the United States? Well, you know, maybe it is happening more, but I, I will tell you that um, I could not keep my mouth shut when I came back home from these initial trips, and I would be sharing mm. these testimonies with everybody. And Mike, that question you just asked—I must have been asked a thousand times if I was asked it once. Yeah. And I, you know, honestly, I don't have an answer uh, as to because I'm sure that there are things like this, and we've experienced these miraculous things here at home as well as overseas. But it just seems like the frequency and the Intensity, maybe, huh? Yeah, maybe the intensity. Yeah. It's just really incredible. In fact, I think that's how Pat and I ended up meeting. Is that right, Pat? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, our daughters were on the soccer field together. Okay. And um, as the story goes, I had heard about Tony going to Ecuador at the time. And I thought, man, I want to go on a mission trip. And at the time, my mom had just passed away. And I realized the brevity of life. And so I thought, you know, I've always wanted to go on a mission trip. So let me go find somebody that is gone and walked across the field, saw Tony and said, are you Tony Nardella? I said, yes. I said, uh, I hear you go to Ecuador. I said, yes. <laughs> I said, I want to go with you. And, and go, you said no. <laughs> I actually gave him a qualified answer because okay. I didn't want to bring anybody with us right. that wasn't approved by my mentor because that's yeah. who I was traveling sure. with at the time. But yeah, that began. Uh, Pat, how many trips have we been on together? I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens. Yeah. I know that Darren's been on a bunch of them with you as well. Yes. Yes. For about 20 years of my relationship with Pat, uh, he would be sitting across from me at lunch and say, it's time to go on a missions trip. And every time I was either, you know, raising one of my five kids, mm -hmm. trying to build a business out of nothing, trying to do more than I could and never felt a relief from the Holy Spirit, never, until uh, I finally went and it was a situation that kind of happened where I was invited to go to Bolivia through our relationships. Mm -hmm. I went to La Paz mm -hmm. and ministered there through our church relationships. Right, right. And Metro well, Life Church. In that process, then, yeah. um, they were in Peru. And I went ahead and just kind of went over to Peru to do a double. So we did a, Bol a Bolivia and then I went to Peru and the, the, you know, the heavens opened up, you know, when I got there and just the prophetic flowed in a way that was really refreshing and very encouraging to a lot of people. And probably unique to what some of the folks had seen in terms of, you know, instead of just opened the door. And now, I mean, before the pandemic, what we had about invitations to about six different countries and we were going twice a month. And, you know, one of the things that just blew me away was God's continuing provision of time and resources to be able to go. Cause I, I wouldn't necessarily be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's not inexpensive to do it, but the Lord provides. Um, and you know, while, missions ministry at, at large typically is needs based in the sense that you're building something or you're, you know, constructing something that will be left behind. What these guys are doing and what I really appreciate about it is they're doing what Paul did in a sense, because the heart of Titus was to have Paul's heart to continue to care for the churches of Jesus Christ in his generation. Yeah. And that's what Tony and Pat do is they go down and they care for the churches in this in these countries that can't afford to bring in people, can't afford to do it. So it's it's in the stream of the apostolic, but you know, it's it's a serving ministry that comes alongside us. How can we help? 
and we are able to bring gifts. We're able to bring, you know, not financial per se, but people, you know, people with gifts, people with ministry hearts that want to help and do what they can. And so in that process, I was able to go down and partner with uh, Tony in the prophetic ministry that I'm in and have served in for years and lead prophetic teams to help churches get a different perspective of what it's like to have that ministry operating in a um, decent and orderly way, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a challenge in some of the countries we're going to overseas because a lot of their experience has been very... um, people taking advantage of them and not good. And so it's been really a privilege to see God just continue to open doors of favor. But one of the things that really makes it nice is that Tony has built trust with so many pastors and so many leaders that we benefit from that because we're we're simply traveling in the wake of the grace that God's given this man to to lead and to provide an open door mm-hmm. and to see God open that. So it's really been nice to be able to come alongside and just join a team that's already changing the world. Tony, how did you meet these guys in the beginning, these pastors that you serve over there? Well, one at a time, you know. I mean, I, I, I accompanied my mentor who was given a great amount of grace um, in Guayaquil, Ecuador. That was uh, really where we spent most of our initial uh of years of traveling. And then I kind of spread out from there. So the pastors, I got to know a lot of the pastors in Guayaquil and then in the coastal area of Ecuador. And then, uh, you know, about 15 years into that, we uh, started going up to the mountains, the Sierra in the Quito area. And we had been in the the Sierra before. All of this sounds very jungle-ish, right? I mean, there's... None of it's jungle. Oh, none of it is. None of it's jungle. Now we did end up... we have gone into the jungle in Ecuador, and I my first mission trip was in the jungle of uh, the Amazon jungle in Peru. But it's hot, uh, you know. When you're on the equator, it's yeah, hot. That's but, what I'm thinking. But in yeah. the mountains, it's yeah. not hot. You know, they yeah. get they they feel hot if the temperature gets up to seventy because it's two <laughs> wow. miles high. You know, yeah, you're, and, you're uh, at, yeah ten thousand feet in oh Quito, my goodness, and uh, two most, miles most of the high. places up there. Double of what uh, Denver would be. Then. Correct. Right. Yeah. Correct. That's crazy. So just over the years, as you travel and you spend time and you, and you show them that you're going there on your own nickel, you're taking your own vacation time, and you're not there looking for anything. I mean, you're, you know, honestly, you know, we don't want to rob any blessing from them, but we don't require them to yeah. give us an offering. But, you know, most of these churches that we go to are not the really big churches. You know, we've gone to big churches. I just came back from a place where there was some nice-sized churches that we were ministering in. But the people that we go to most of the time really can't afford to pay our way. And they, you know, they're God's people. They deserve to have people with gifts show up at their church, too. And so if we get a chicken dinner afterward, um, you know, good for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not why we go, you know, we're going because God's called us in, you know, we see that in the, in the writings about from the apostle Paul too. You know, sometimes the sending churches would pay his expenses. Sometimes the receiving churches would pay his expenses. Sometimes nobody would pay his expenses. Sometimes you pay the expenses. Well, that's right. right. He had to make tents in order to pay his own expenses and expenses of the team. So really, you know, you, you try to take money out of the equation. Money's necessary, but you know, it's not a question of entitlement. It's a question of obedience. That's beautiful. You know, God calls us, we go. How soon into your endeavors did the name Heart of Titus come about? That came up about nine years in. Um, I was in a uh, church in Guayaquil, and there was a prophet from um, Miami that I knew well, and he was preaching one night, and I happened to be there in this big Assembly of God church, and called me out front and center in front of everybody, and he said, hey, Tony, I've... uh, uh, got a word for you, and the Lord says He wants you to spend more of your time in the mission field, about a third. I go, well, that's great. I got a family at home, and I'm running a law practice. But yeah, you know, well, okay, we'll work that out. So I went and okay, went home, prayed and fasted about it, and figured out the Lord really wanted us to start our own independent ministry. Talked to Pat, talked to another guy, Ray, and the three of us formed the first board of directors of this ministry that we didn't have a name for. And so Pat and I and my wife were at a pastor's conference uh, down in, I think it was Auburndale, wasn't it? And, yes. and I have to tell you, I wasn't really obsessed with the preaching I was listening to, so I was just kind of skimming through the Bible. And I got to Second Corinthians chapter 8, and of all places, I guess he was preaching out of Second Corinthians that day. And so anyway, I, I, I just saw this verse 16 just pop up, and it just says, says, 
I, yeah, I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern that I have for you. And this is what Paul was mm. uh, writing to the Corinthians, trying to vouch for Titus. And then he adds in verse 17, for not only did he welcome our appeal, but with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative, he's coming to you. And so that kind of marks the people we have in our ministry. They, they, they're enthusiastic. They're going on their own initiative, you know, read between the lines, they, they pay their way. And, yeah. uh, and they've got the same heart for the church that got multiplied in them that God gave to you know, somebody who helped plant those churches. Mm-hmm. So it's this multiplication of God's heart for foreign churches, as Darren said earlier, that a heart of Titus seems to express. That's beautiful. You know, I, we think of missions work as going to give. Yet what I hear over and over from people, they receive more sometimes than they feel like they were able to give. Would that be your experience as well? Yeah, I think that it's a definitely a mutual thing. I mean, Paul writes about that in Second Corinthians 1, uh, where it says that maybe we can impart some spiritual gift to you as you, I'm not quoting exactly here, but you know, as, as well as you have, you, you will encourage us. Yeah. And honestly, um, as I mentioned earlier, my trips overseas has just absolutely wrecked my life in a positive way uh, because of the faith of those people. And I preach that often, you know, in these third world countries, they don't always have a lot of encouraging things going on in the natural, you know, economically, there's always trouble or, you know, changes of government or whatever. And so many times I'll just get up and preach, especially in Ecuador. And I'll say, Hey, look, you know, my life got changed radically for the better. It'll never be the same because of what happened in your country, the miracles that God does, the favor he extends, the the things that we've seen, I mean, you can, those testimonies will rock the world if you'll just you know, have the faith to get up and share them. Ah, incredible, incredible truth. Uh, having the faith and then being willing and going, obeying the Lord and taking the time to go. It's a big part of it. Pat, let's turn for you to you for just a moment. Now, you're in ministry now, in, in pastoral ministry, right? Yes. yes. And that was something you were not doing when I first met you. Right. So... Let's talk for a moment how a guy goes from uh, kind of doing what you were saying earlier. You walked over, you had an interest in missions work, you wanted to go with Tony on one of these trips, but you weren't in ministry per se back then. So how did this all happen with you? Yeah, I think that the Lord basically uh, makes it clear that he wants every person to be a minister. And so really, whether I'm employed in some other field or in full-time ministry, Um, I am looked at and called by him to go and share and be his utility player, put me in coach. And uh, so that's what I basically had been doing and volunteering at my own church or doing different things and then began going to uh, the mission field and have been, you know, many, many times. And so it's only been recently that uh, I think I got ordained in 04. So I've been serving um, in our local church there uh, since then. But beyond that, just going around the world and seeing what the Lord has for me and taking other people with me. And so um, I just uh, very much believe that everybody is supposed to just say, here I am, God, how can you use me? Yeah, there's a phrase that we've heard so often here in our interviews with people in the city, and it's marketplace ministry. Mm -hmm. So whether or not you're an attorney or a a newspaper guy or a quarterback coach or whatever, God wants to use us, and he does use us. Now, in your case, I think you're an attorney that started doing ministry work. Now you might be known more as a minister who does some attorney work. It seems, <laughs> it seems like that's at least a possibility. Yeah. But, but we're going to get back to that in a moment. I'm up against a break. Tony Nardella, Pat McGuffin, Darren Slack, all in the studio with me. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, 
an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. With me are friends of many years. I don't even, I can't even begin to know how many years, if we added all three of our years of friendships up, what that would total. But I've known you since the 80s, Tony. Yes. And I've known Darren since the 80s. And I've known you, Pat, since the 90s. Yes. And we've been friends. We met, my wife and I met in your home a number of, well, probably what, a year or more, I would say at least, at least a year. Uh, back in the 90s and had a uh, community group, a care group in in your home. Got to know all of the people that you knew back in the day. And again, my mind is flooding right now with illustrations of just love and times, some great times, some times that were sad. I remember that there was a difficulty you went through where your job changed and you were wondering what in the world I was going to do. And I saw a guy buckled down and you wrote a book in probably the world's record time, right? I mean, uh, you reinvented yourself in just what seemed to be before our very eyes. That was impressive. I've never forgotten that. You provided the way you and Sheila worked so hard. Uh, we were taught, we were kind of heading toward ministry. Uh, but how is it that you walked into pastoral ministry at the church where you're serving now? How did that happen? Right. Well, um, it's very interesting. The elders approached me when it uh, when they felt like I should be on the team, and they said, "You're already doing ministry, mm-hmm. so you're already doing it. It just doesn't have a title to it. We already acknowledge the anointing of God on your life, so we're just going to publicly acknowledge it and insert you more into the role." And so, um, you know, my heart has been always to serve the Lord. Um, and to grow in that realm, at least, uh, that's been my desire. And so I've just been growing at the local level and then had the opportunity through heart of Titus to start traveling the world and, uh, being useful to him in other places. Now it's one thing to go on missions trips and, and see all of that happen and be a part of a team. It's another thing to be in a pulpit preaching. Yes, it is. So, I mean, there had to be some, I know, hard work and study that went into all of that too, right? Yes, there, there has been. And, and, you know, even the preaching, that's, uh, that's only one aspect and actually the, uh, a very important aspect, but not the big aspect. The big aspect is caring for people, helping people, shepherding people. It's a people business, you mm-hmm. know? Oh yeah. And so, um, so that has been a big thrust is to be able to groom other leaders, to grow them up into their ministry, to expand so that you're ready to disciple more people. And um, that's been a wonderful challenge of uh, walking in this wonderful Central Florida community. Now, you're a pastor who started off in mission work. Uh, What advice or what encouragement would you give pastors who, let's say, aren't that involved in either supporting mission work, ministries that are out there in other countries like what you guys go and do? What encouragement, what, what benefit do you see bringing to their church if they were to to take this on? Well, I agree with uh, Pastor Tony. It's very much a uh, a time to ignite you in your own life. When you go and you lay hands on somebody that has been uh, sick in some fashion or blind or deaf or something and see God miraculously touch them, it will forever change you, your ministry, um, in my case, I feel like I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better friend to my friends. Um, and so I've got provoked, changed, stretched in that whole process of going on um, missions trips where you can't control everything. It's, mm. it's you, you go in with your plan, but now let's see what God does. Yeah. And um, so it's very much uh, a situation like that. So I feel for a pastor it's a chance to uh, really experience the fire of God and be put in an awkward situation where if God doesn't show up, you have mud on your face. Mm. So, um, and God does show up because he loves and cares for these people. What's your favorite plan B mission experience where things didn't go the way that it, you thought they would go? Is there one that comes to your mind? Gee, um, 
I don't know. There, there, I have so many Plan B experiences, you know, where the lights are uh, go out, and so you're preaching by candlelight, trying not to set your Bible on fire. Um, you know, <laughs> that would be bad. Or, you know, this uh, you're praying for somebody. Uh, you bring the leaders up after you're done um, preaching in, in a church, and this happened with Pastor Tony and I, and here comes somebody who just suddenly goes on the ground and slithers around, and... Um, Tony looks at me and says, do you think that person has a demon? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so it's just a, a situation where you get stretched in, in your growth and it drives you back to the word to say, where is this in the word? And um, so it has been a continual stretch, whether it's somebody on your team that's going, um, that you're helping them through some of their difficulties, whether it's somebody that's not on your team you brought from the U.S., but it's somebody on your local team and you're helping them through a very odd, hard time, mm-hmm. and you become friends with these people. Have you ever led anybody, Tony, on one of these trips where uh, something dangerous appeared or happened or somebody got hurt or anything like that? Has that ever happened? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, not that often, but, um, you know, because you learn. You learn to trust the locals. You learn to find out who the locals are that are trustworthy and then trust them. Um, but there's been times when, you know, Emily and I have been robbed. Um, I, there was there was another time we were driving up a highway. I, I was in a car with, I was in a taxi with three other pastors and the taxi driver. And we're going up this major highway. And next thing you know, we see all these cars driving back on our side of the road. And we crest the hill and we find out why. There was 50 young guys in the road, you know, throwing rocks at cars, trying to get them to stop. And so we just... Oh, my. Uh, so, you know, so our taxi driver just does a panic stop, and then he gets in the line of people going back the way we were coming, you know, with cars coming at us at 70 miles an hour. So, yeah, those kind of things happen. You know, you're, things can get complicated at home, So how much more so when you're in a place you don't know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'll tell you, God's favor um, has been with us. He doesn't promise that you're not going to have trouble. He says, yeah, in fact, he says, you know, I, there will be trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Um, you know, so, you know, we measure the risk, but we go anyway. Um, yeah. So that's when, great. Yeah. Darren, when you think back to your early times going over with these guys, what's one of your favorite memories when you uh, look back at those trips, when you jumped from one place to the other? Well, obviously the, the opportunity to see God move in a way that encourages, you know, I, I, you asked the question, why don't we see here what we see there. Mm-hmm. And in the prophetic, you know, I having walked in that ministry for an extended period of time, I immediately identified that there's, in my world, there's no reason why it shouldn't be almost identical. And so what I quickly recognized is that going on a mission trip made a claim on me. It made a claim on the reality of my life when I'm here versus when I'm there. And what I realized was, is that when I go there, I'm on a I'm on a limb. I'm out there trusting God around people I don't know with translators. And, you know, those are the things that I experienced for the first time and realized I was living a true week or two of faith. And why don't I do that at home? And so whatever, as much as was up to me, I realized, you know, I needed to walk in that. But one of the things that I think has really uh, affected me is the desperation of these folks, the hunger that they have for reality, authenticity, I don't know that that's is, is substantial here. I think we're very blessed in America to have uh, our, you know, the veritable smorgasbord of teaching, you know, Bible yeah. radio yeah. stations, any number of things. And, and I'm not talking about that we don't have good things. I'm saying that down there, a lot of what they're going to have is going to have some of that mm-hmm. concerning or disconcerting um, poor demonstration of the gospel. Uh, problems, you know, and these folks are so desperate that they might go to church on Sunday and to the warlock on Tuesday, you know, because they want power. And so when you're encountering believers, you're encountering believers who've been exposed to substantial activity of all kinds. And you got to kind of be aware that they just culturally, that's normal for them. They're just looking for hope. They're looking for anything that you have. But 1 Corinthians four nineteen and 20 tells us the kingdom of God is not of talk, but of power. And we have uh, quite a bit of talk, and I don't know that we have as much power here demonstrated That's because well it's, said. it's yeah. more talk. And I'm not saying I'm pointing any fingers. I'm just saying that I think while there may be pockets of God's power moving because people are taking bold steps, 
I think that desperation and hunger is what's missing from the equation. There's nothing like the power of an invitation. I mean, when we're going down there, we're not going to try to find a group of people to like us. We have established relationships that want us to come. So there's already an anticipation upon arrival. And that faith is not in us. It's in what God's going to do. So God's meeting them, and we're just happen to be in the flow. Mm-hmm. And so we're just finding, I mean, we on our last trip, we went to Quito, and um, we brought a brother with us. And, you know, he's an elevator technician. I mean, these are not, you know, high elite Bible college graduates that we're taking. These are godly, humble people with gifts. And this brother stands up there on the first night. He has the opportunity to minister, and we're like, well, what's he going to do? And he's not a particularly gifted order, but he's got an anointing on his life. And so we're just kind of like, what's he going to do? He kind of meanders, you know, kind of a little bit, says something, and he goes, well, I just don't feel like I'm supposed to do anything but stand here, and the Holy Spirit's going to start moving. Mike, within 10 seconds, the Holy Spirit hit the building. People are responding to the grace of God. He isn't even, he didn't, it's not like he went and started laying hands on people and they started falling. They started falling and he didn't move it. He hadn't hmm. said a word. God just met these people. And then the same, the same thing happened the next night Yeah, where it was just, and, and we tend to think of these things and from a charismatic perspective as emotional events that these people are really into. No, these were just really special moments where the Holy Spirit was genuinely meeting people at the point of their need. Whereas you're, 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 you're not seeing someone cheerlead. There's not cheerleading going on. There's not a hype, it's not a hype fest. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like what you might see in a typical sensational charismatic experience. He didn't do anything. He just stood there. He didn't say a word. And God moved. And that's the kind of stuff that I was really been affected by as I've gone, as I've seen God just show up because there's need in the building, not because of anything the, the, the gifting of the leaders was. They were just there and available, and God moved. Mm. Tony, when I think back to the times I've seen uh, people take trips and you know get to minister to people, maybe large crowds in some of them, uh, there seems often in America this tendency to count count numbers rather than know the people are plugged in and really being discipled after the reach there. And I, there was a quote that Peter Lord, a guy over in, in, in Florida, uh, Titusville, he said years ago, something I've never forgotten. He said, the problem with our, with our churches is that we often want to dunk them and drop them. Uh, and, and I think that spoke to this thing of the need for ongoing discipleship. That's what encourages me about what you've done is that I hear that you're working with pastors of these local congregations. So people that you reach have a place to plug into, right? Well, that's exactly right. We, um, we're not trying to set up our own thing. We're trying to come alongside the, the local churches and help them. And you know, I'll, I'll tell you an, an interesting testimony from earlier this year. Uh, we sent um, six or seven evangelists to do um, a 10-day, almost two-week uh, um, campaign, uh, but it was all door-to-door in the streets, in the schools. Um, they were trained by Reinhard Bonnke's ministry, you know, Christ for All yeah, Nations. Sure. These guys were on yeah. fire. And I went down there about a month before, and I met with all kinds of pastors all over the city that were going to be participating. And I said, you guys are not ready. He says, if, if, what, what are you guys going to do with three or four New converts come in and they cheered, yay, we'll take care of them. What if you get 30 or 40? And they said, yeah. I said, what if you get three or 400 each church? And then it was silence. And that's about what they got. They got about 250 or more new decision cards per church. And the truth is they were, you know, so even though we're trying to work with them with discipleship, they just weren't able to receive the harvest and deal with it like they should. So this has really become a, you know, a focus of our ministry is to really impress upon the pastors and the churches. Hey, you know, it, the discipleship is a, it's, it's, it's more than just teaching. Mm-hmm. And that's what really, honestly, that's what I, I'm really grateful for in my life from, you know, pastor Ken Stutz was my mentor and he invited me to come I along. He's and, a great guy. And, yes. And even before yeah. he invited me on mission trips, he just invested in my life and in my family and invited me to go with him to, help minister in different places. And it was, it was come follow me, come alongside of me, watch what I do. And in fact, that's, so that's what we did for years. And now as we're bringing other people, 
you know, I wanted to kind of partly answer Pat's, one of the questions you asked Pat earlier is how did you make that transition from being this journalist guy to being, you know, the, you know, lead pastor of a nice sized mm-hmm. church. And a lot of that was because he got all this experience working That's with right. overseas churches and he had to figure out how to preach. And sometimes they'd give him five churches on a Sunday more, maybe four churches on a Sunday morning. And he didn't want to give the same message each time. So he had to dig deep and find out what really was within him. And that, you know, just learning how to depend upon the Holy Spirit and to speak the word that the Spirit is speaking to that the church needs to hear at that moment. Mm-hmm. That's all great training. And we've had a number of us, both from here in the United States and also overseas, that that were doctors or contractors. And they're still doctors and contractors, but now they're pastoring churches as well. I think that's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's your land and bear, right? I mean, that's when you've done that and you're over there and you're you're having to, like you said, draw deep from the well of what God's doing in your heart. Uh, I, I think one of the hindrances for a lot of pastors in America is if they don't have that kind of experience to draw on to and, and really maybe pull from, uh, they often uh, are, they become satisfied. I think that's part of the problem in America's church is that we're too comfortable at times. And yet when you go, like you guys have seen, when you're overseas, and you have people who will walk for miles to come to one of these meetings. You mentioned um, Reinhard Bonnke. Have you met Caleb Wampler? He's a guy that does a lot of work and was yes. groomed by Reinhard and uh, Daniel Kalinda. And, and so these guys, these guys are going out, and I, I've had them on my program. And you know, we're talking like you said, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people showing up at some of these meetings. And what are you going to do? So it it really does start to expand the mind. I think of a pastor if he's seen something like that, and then think, well, I've seen it there. So like Darren said earlier, it should be able to happen here. We should be able to see something take place here in America. And I know that's your hearts. It's not like you only want to see God move in these other countries, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I want to share with you, I have uh, some good friends that are pastors. Uh, he was a church architect, and now he's just a full-time pastor. And um, and he, we were, he started um, a discipleship ministry for pastors, and he's having great success with it in, down in Ecuador. And he told me that, uh, I'll translate it from Spanish, he says, Tony, um, evangelism without discipleship is abortion. Mm. I mean, that's a hard statement. That's a hard statement, yeah. But, you know, it, it, it illustrates a point that we really need to do more to teach people how to follow Jesus. That is the Great Commission, isn't it, Matthew 28? That is it. He says, you know, teach them, you know, teaching them to observe or obey all yeah. that I have commanded you. So we have to show them with our lifestyles as well as with our words how to follow Jesus. Tony Nardella, Pat McGuffin, Darren Slack, my guests here in the studio. We'll be back. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back again with three guys that I love, know, and respect and have known for many, many years. We're talking about decades now, guys. I met yes. two of the. Well, actually, I met these two My on my left. That would be Darren and Tony in the 80s. And I met Pat early in the 90s. So we're talking about, I mean, even that, that's what, 25 years of knowing each of you guys. And so it's a joy from my heart. I... I was sitting in a meeting and it hit me I, I out of the blue to invite the three of you to come in. And I'm so honored that this happened as quickly as it did because I wrote Darren and I said, Darren, can you set up a meeting with these guys and let's get them in the studio and talk about it? Because I'm always blessed when I hear what's going on in your lives and respect the fact that all three of you uh, have really given your heart into seeing God's will be done 
on all of these trips. And it seems to me that you guys are always gone. I, I don't know how you do it, but I know that's exciting. So on the, to that degree, what is happening from the standpoint, uh, let's say, coming right up for Heart of Titus? Well, I just got back from Argentina, Mendoza, Argentina, and that was Wednesday. Um, one of our board members, uh, who's, a, who's a pastor and was our pastor, He's, uh, he just arrived in Santiago, Chile today. Um, next, I think in 10 days or so, we have four of us that are leaving for Europe. Um, and I'll, that's, uh, that's new territory for us. Uh, the countries we're going, we're going to, um, we're all going to Italy. Then I'm going to Bulgaria, Greece, and Poland. And that, that, so that's going to take me about a month. That'll be um, a record for me in terms of how long a mission trip wow. is. Um, and uh, India is later on in the year. We have another trip for the mountains of Ecuador planned. Uh, I think we have uh, a return to El Salvador um, in the offing. And I'm um, still trying to convince Darren to uh, pick a place too because he's needed everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of a, a, a brief uh, summary of where we're going uh, so this year. Darren mentioned this earlier, and I wanted to hit that as we're chatting about this. Talked about pre-COVID before this pandemic thing happened to us all. And it happened more than just to America. It was a global thing. So how did it impact Heart of Titus then? And where is Heart of Titus now with regards to coming out of all that? Well, that's a great question. Uh, before uh, the pandemic, um, we, were, we, we were on track probably to do 35 or 40 trips in, t- in 2020 before the pandemic hit. We had like 12 trips in the first uh, two and a half months. Now that's in one calendar year. Yeah. 30. So would the, would uh, that be like different people or would you have been on all of those? No, no, no. Um, you know, I might hit 10 of them. Okay. But, I um, feel better now. Yes. Uh, I'm less tired. No, than- <laughs> yeah, right. No, we had, we, you know, we probably had 15 active leader, team leaders. Um, and, uh, that has, of course, you know, COVID hit and you just, we just couldn't travel. Yeah. It kind of shut everything down. And then, so then in order to travel, you needed a vaccine. So I got a vaccine just because I figured, you know, whatever the ups and downs of that were, I, if I was going to be able to obey God, I needed to, you know, obey the laws mm-hmm. of the land where I was going. They were going to let me in otherwise. And, but there was quite a few of our leaders and team members who just, you know, for conscience reasons, just didn't want to get a vaccine. So that slowed us down as well. Uh, but we're recovering, you know, we'll probably hit 20 something trips this year, um, before the end of the year, but it's kind of been a, you know, it's, it's been a slow climb back in. Um, and some people, you know, it's kind of like what the churches have experienced. And I've seen this all over the world. Um, Mike is that many of the churches have either closed their doors or they're at half of their, you know, membership or attendance that they were at beforehand. This is what I'm seeing overseas. Um, I hear kind of similar numbers here in the States too, but it doesn't apply across the board, but it, uh, I think we're just slowly getting back into, um, people come getting into the ministry and getting back into church. Yeah. Pat, for you being a, a lead pastor now at a church, uh, how do you juggle, uh, these, these trips with what you're doing locally? Well, I think I'm, uh, when I go, I love taking people from my church, mm. obviously, because it benefits the church also. Or if I take other people, that's, you know, that's fine too. During COVID, just going back a, a, a step, um, it was very interesting um, that when we couldn't travel as much, it was uh, the Lord who brought people to us. So there, with all the political upheaval in Venezuela, we started inheriting a lot of Venezuelans uh, come to our church for need for food or whatever. And so we fed between 120 and 170 Venezuelan families a week. Um, and then saw many, many of them come to the Lord. Wow. So um, God brought the countries to us. Um, now, I think to go back to your question, it's an opportunity very much to take somebody who's at a certain place in their walk with the Lord and uh, have them tested and grown and stretched and mm-hmm. come with me. And uh, that just happened recently. I took one um, person who's pretty new to our church, been about a year and um, took them on uh, a trip to El Salvador. And uh, Pastor Tony was with me, and that really was a stretching thing for him, watching 
how God worked through him who he didn't think that God would really work through him. He came to observe. But in fact, God used him, stretched him, grew him. Yeah. One of the most fantastic testimonies I've ever heard of somebody who's been on a mission trip was um, what this young man, Sean, shared at his church. I watched it on video uh, when he got back. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was just blown away at the... um, what, what the Holy Spirit did around him and through him. And mm. it, it's life-changing. Darren, when you uh, get ready for one of these trips, when you're going out to a country, uh, I know language barrier is, is sometimes a real barrier. It's something that you have to work around. It sounds like you guys use translators, I believe, is what I've heard. I know you speak Spanish, right? Yeah, that's a, another little gift from the Lord yeah. to help me do what I do. You didn't do that when I knew you before, right? That's correct. <laughs> so you, that's right. that is a beautiful thing right there, though, mm-hmm. just parenthetically, that you have been able to pick that up and learn it and really uh, get it to a point of mastering to where you're able to use it. Well, you know, I wouldn't call it mastering, but honest, I got to give the, all the glory to the Lord because I got a prophetic word that said that I was going to, he was going to improve my Spanish so that I could preach in the language oh. of the people. And it's, and it's what happened yeah. because I was having issues with uh, translators and all the places I was going didn't have anybody to help me. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, so you're functionally uh, doing it then. If I am. Not I'm, I'm understandable. It, yeah. My accent yeah, is, re- is, is is a real thick Ringo, but, <laughs> yeah, but I get it done. You get it done. So Darren, when you're going back, what kind of prep do you see in your own heart? What, what does God lead you to do to, as you're praying before a trip? Well, you know, a lot of times it's, it's more like just making sure my heart's clear. So I'll fast and you know, seek the Lord for what he might want to do. But one of the things we found is that you don't make a plan. You, you know, you can put together material and have it available, <laughs> but chances are when you arrive, the Holy Spirit's going to change the situation pretty mm-hmm. substantially. So it's not uncommon to <laughs> to be in one church with a stray dog at your feet with 11 people there and you brought five of them, you know, and then the next meeting you're in a church of, you know, 300 and they're cheering everything you say. It's just that stark whiplash of, you know. And, it could be one end right, or the other. And, and yeah. it's not like there's any one person that's going to have to. I mean, everybody's got to step up. So even if you're bringing somebody, like Pat said, that's observing, you're going to be preaching, bro. I mean, it ain't, it ain't <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> you know, Michael, my son, went with me on one his first trip. And his first preaching opportunity was tag team preaching with Pat in front of a 1,000 people. I mean, that was his first ever opportunity. And that, I mean, he had... All of a, all of two hours to prepare because you know we met with the pastor for lunch and he's like we're gonna put you up tonight and Pat's like all right Michael you're up we're tag teaming this and you know mm-hmm. Michael had two hours to prepare and it really wasn't that he had two hours to prepare he'd been preparing for years God had been preparing his heart it was a message so it's not about bringing the most amazing you know exegetical message of all time it's what I said earlier it's not talk it's power. There's anointing that, that God brings because not only are the people there in faith to receive, but the leaders and, and people that are traveling are stepping out in faith to share what, what God's put in their heart. Mm-hmm. And I've seen miracles happen through people who are the most common and the most normal. you know. And it's fun to watch because once you're past your own issues and you can kind of throw other people under the spiritual bus, they get the opportunity to, to kind of go, you want me to do what? I'm like, you're just going to yeah. lead out tonight, whatever the Lord leads. And it's just fun to watch them squirm as you just sit in the front row and with glee, see the glory of God manifest as they just obey God and try. Okay. Here's a question. We're kind of starting to wind down here on time. Most emotional event in one of your trips with the heart of Titus, what would it be most emotional? Uh, my most emotional was um, watching a 23-year-old girl who had never walked in her life get up and walk. And I was forever changed wow. by that. Ah, unbelievable. Yeah, I can see that. That'll that wreck your night right there. That'll do it. How about you, Tony? Um, probably the most emotional for me was I was uh, filming for my mentor in a church of about where there was about 1,300 people, and he was preaching on the works of the flesh. And then he gave an altar call and the anointing dropped and I saw probably six or 700 people just jump out of their chairs, dive at the altar, weeping, snotting, snorting. <laughs> I mean, hundreds of people just piled on top of one another, repenting before the Lord. 
And that went on for 45 minutes. And I remember, you know, I've read, I, I read a lot of books on revival. I just never seen it. And it was right there, you know, like the old time revivals, you know, with Charles Finney or, mm -hmm. you know, all these guys. And it's just what we long for today in America, right? Yes. The repentance was yeah. real. And I, I mean, I wept too. Yeah. Boy, that's a great story. How about you, Darren? Um, probably a trip, probably three, four times ago. There's, it was two that happened almost on the same night. Um, well, they did happen on the same night. I was in a church where the Lord told me that I was the only one that was allowed to minister. And I, we team minister, so this was like breaking heart of Titus protocol. And I ministered and, you know, followed the Lord's leading. And it was everybody was new with me, so they're like, you go ahead, man, you do you, you know. So I'm leading, prophesying, do what I do. And the pastor stands up at the end and he goes, I just want everybody to know that, you know, tonight we have a big change. You know, before tonight we really didn't believe in New Testament prophets and prophecy, but now we do. Mm. He literally had invited me to come, not realizing what God was going to do. God moved. It was powerful. And then I go across the way. Not 20 minutes later, I'm in another church gathering with another team. And the Lord puts a word in my heart. And I prophesy at the end of the meeting. And they're all laughing, the team that was there already, because I literally just echoed everything that was preached, everything that was said. all this stuff. So there was just this incredible manifestation of God's grace to affirm and confirm his ministry That's and it's it. happening all over. Man. So the next trip you said is coming right up, right? Yes. Uh, well, yeah, one started today and uh, one, another one will start in 10 days. Wow. Boy. And it just goes on and people can get involved by going to the website. Give us that site. That's www.heartoftitus.org. Um, we also have a Facebook page. We're on Instagram, but uh, the, the website's the best place to and all, we're also channel. on YouTube. That's right. Yeah, we got we a YouTube our, channel. Right. And you can also see our TV show, which is called Let's Go on YouTube or on um, KCTV, Kingdom Community TV application. You can get that all, all So over lots the world. of stories there, lots of examples yes. about trips and how people can get involved. And I think that's so important that people can, in this day and age, you can get uh, a little bit of your, at uh, least some of the list of questions you might have answered just by doing a little research like that, right? Yes. That's it. Are any of you guys, I know you're going to be leaving, you said, for a month. You too? Any trips planned for you? Uh, I'm hoping to get back to um, El Salvador, take another group uh, here in just a couple of months. All right. And, Darren? and I'll probably have one or two. I just haven't got a clear word yet on where I'm supposed to go. All right. Heart of Titus, Tony Nardella, Pat McGuffin, Darren Slack. Thank you for being with me today. This has really been a treat for me to get to hear. I love mission stories, and I love people who have the faith that you guys obviously have been given by God. And I love seeing how you've exercised that faith and how it has grown. You guys have grown, and you're a real model and a blessing to me. Thank you for coming in. Pleasure to be here, Mike. It's good to be here. And friends, thanks for joining me for yet another program. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.